0: Hi, my name is Shloma Salsa, founder of Purpose Creates Impact, host of the Teenage Impact podcast, where you will find the inspiration to get over your struggles as a teenage kid. I was bullied, had anxiety, depression, had friends pass away, and battled confidence issues for a majority of my life. Whether you have the same issues as me, feel lonely, face challenges in your home, or in school, I'm going to be interviewing people who overcame these struggles and provide you with tips on how you can overcome yours. By the end of this episode, I want you to rate and comment on what you think of the podcast. This will allow the podcast to be ranked higher and serve more teenagers. Hi everyone, this is Shlomo Salson founder and president of Purpose Creates Impact, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast. This is going to be my sixth episode, my first ever interview for the Teenage Impact Podcast. I've had Armand in my collaborations before. Armand is a good friend of mine. He, I've known him for about nine years, and we've grown together. He is now a communications expert and coach. He helps build people's Confidence in public speaking and social dynamics, and just within a year, he's gained over fifteen thousand followers on Twitter, and he has m- several clients doing so. How are you doing, Armand?
1: Doing well, Shlomo. How
0: are you doing today? Good, good. Armand, I'm going to break this interview down into three sections. Okay. So, since this is for teenage kids and helping inspiring teenage kids uh, to overcome their struggles as a teen, because you know, as a teenager, we go through all these different mood changes and mm-hmm. a lot of things happen in our life. You mentioned that you've had social anxiety, low self-esteem, lack of self-confidence, people pleaser. You felt inferior, you're the skinniest kid in class. Mm-hmm. You felt like a failure. And you said you used to be awkward, which is hard to believe. <laughs> I'm going to break it down into three seconds. The first one is going to be your story. Okay. Second section is going to be how you overcame those struggles. And then the third section is tips for anyone else who's going through the same exact thing as a teenager. Sounds good? Sounds good to me. Good, good. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your confidence and your your lack of confidence as a teenager. Tell us, you know, you came from Bangladesh.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Very early on. So tell us your story. Sure. So...
1: I came from Bangladesh around when I was five years old. And when I was in Bangladesh, the most popular language of course was uh, Bangla. But then out of nowhere, one of these days I ended up coming to the U S and I noticed that people were speaking a certain language. It seemed very foreign at the time, but it was English, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, in Bangladesh we would, we would read and write English, but we wouldn't necessarily speak it. So for the, next few years, I actually had to really, really understand how to speak English. It it was a very tough time for me. And I would often get like mocked and ridiculed for my accent. So that was a really tough part. And I spent years and years uh, being that shy kid. All right. So I was being the very shy kid. That was problem number one. Now, the second problem was the problem that I was really, really skinny. <laughs> I was really skinny. And this is where I was getting ridiculed, not only from home, but from school as well. So from home, uh, typically Bengali parents, they want you to be uh, you know, healthy. <laughs> I mean, being fat is better than being skinny. So I was getting the ridicule from home, like, why are you so
0: skinny? Don't you eat?
1: Your mom doesn't feed you enough? <laughs> and my mom's the one telling me that. <laughs> and then I, when I would go to school, I was literally the skinniest kid in class. And just to make matters worse, I was very short as well. So a kid with a very strong accent, shy, short, skinny, a mix of all four of these combined. And automatically, my confidence was just plummeting. And you you can just imagine because... Number one, it's, it's a culture shock as it is. And what grade is this? This is around kindergarten onwards. So I, I went on like this for years and years, all the way up until I did get to high school. So now I'm a teenager and I'm still feeling like this. And around this point, uh, I generally didn't really know the art of confidence. There wasn't someone like yourself that was designing programs to help with confidence. And to be quite honest, I didn't really know what confidence was. You know what I'm saying? Like you always hear the term, will be more confident. But I wasn't quite too sure what that was at the time. Uh-huh. So during those teenage years, I definitely did struggle and I struggled a lot.
0: Do you have any specific stories of, I remember hearing the story of when someone pushed you. Do you have any specific stories of bullies?
1: So there were, yes, yes. So one of them was, Here's how it works in um, school, where all the cool kids sit in the back, right? And I remember, I remember one of these days I got into the bus, and there was someone sitting on my assigned seat. So I was like, "Ah, oh, dang! Like, where do I sit?" I, I usually take that assigned seat very seriously. <laughs> so what happened was, I was like looking around, looking around, looking around, and I saw one open seat, and this was all the way in the back of the bus like literally the last seat possible
0: bold very bold very
1: bold and I was like well, what do I do <laughs> it was like do I go all the way there because that's not my territory I'm
0: gonna be a cool kid now <laughs> yeah I'm gonna be
1: the cool kid I'm gonna force myself into there so I slowly started walking to the back to the back to the back and I see like the dorks you know in the front they're like whoa whoa what's all i doing I mean he's going a little too far right And I'm still walking, still walking. And now there's the cool kids who's looking at me very shocked. They're like, the heck was this guy doing here? Did they lose something? But I keep on walking, keep on walking, keep on walking until I get to that last seat. As soon as I get to that last seat, like, you know, I put my backpack down, sit down, and I'm just ready for the bus driver to get me to my location. (laughs) That's it. Without any
0: trouble. Yeah, I don't
1: want any problems at all, but... But I was definitely out of my comfort zone and I was out of, you could say, my place at that time because I was disrupting the social hierarchy. And that was by far the most daunting and toughest bus ride that I ever took. As soon as I sat in the back, I kid you not, like everyone was asking me my name. As soon as I would speak, they would start making fun of me. They would start, you know, how we have these roast sessions for fun. But back in those days, they were having those roast sessions to like legit. Clown me nonstop.
0: Every single day.
1: Yeah, because now, like before, these cool kids didn't even know I existed. But now, since I entered that territory, I became visible in their eyes. So I became this target for the next, for pretty much the rest of the school year. So it made it very tough because when you're in school, like, believe it or not, the bus ride is a big part of your everyday. So that was a very tough moment for me. Wow.
0: Yeah. And you had the five stages of haircuts, right? I had the
1: five stages of haircuts. And for those of you who don't know what that was, um, this was my first ever speech in Toastmasters where I discussed the five stages. Well, it was actually the four stages, now that I think about it. And this is the fifth stage. (laughs) At that time, it was four stages. But this was... And basically, I talked...
0: What stage was you getting bullied? So
1: this was the the comb-over stage. Uh When I had this comb-over and some parts of the buzz cut stage and each of these stages represent different stages of my life so i had a lot of haircuts and it just surprisingly fell in with the different stages of herman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and tell us a little bit about your social anxiety because you're a pretty social guy now And after turning you were the external vp or the social chair and you brought everyone to events so how are you social how are you anxious when you're around Big crowds.
1: So I always believe when you don't know much about something, your brain starts thinking in a very chaotic way and that in itself gives it a negative label. So I didn't really know what social anxiety was back then. I didn't really know about like the energy levels, perceptions, all that stuff. So automatically <laughs> I went to the negative route. And for me back then, the main reason I didn't like social events too much was because I was already shy as it was. So being around all these people seemed very out of ordinary for Mm -hmm. me. So that didn't feel right. And in many situations, just like days leading up to a social event, it just didn't feel right either. I was like, ah, dang, well, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What if everyone's watching me? Um, And even though it seems a little ridiculous, I mean, why would everyone watch me? I'm sure everyone thinks everyone's watching them, but you don't really know it at the time. So a lot of the social anxiety was from, number one, not knowing about it. And number two, it was also from just being the shy kid as as it was.
0: Was there a moment where you froze up in middle school or high school? So I
1: wouldn't freeze up, but what would happen was I would have trouble saying something. Mm -hmm. So if there's a lot of people contributing in a conversation, I feel like I have the perfect thing to say, but I keep thinking of, well, no, no, wait, Armand, Before you say something, you word it like this. No, 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 like Word it like that. Order oh my like gosh,
0: that. I had the same exact problem.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you're, you're thinking so much, or well, not like they're, now they're at like a new point, and you're just like, dang, <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. Yeah, and that's what that's when you lose your opportunity. Once it starts, kind of keep on, yeah. making you. I guess you could say it's a freeze in a certain way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah okay. All right. And let's see, you used to be, uh, you used to feel like a failure. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yes. So here was the thing. You know how a lot of people, they don't really know what they wanted to do Mm -hmm. uh, as a young kid. Personally, for me, I always knew that I wanted to become an engineer, Mm -hmm. which I eventually did end up becoming. So in many ways, you would feel like, oh, well, he, he did what he said he was going to do. But the thing that was lacking back in the days when I did feel as though I was failing was that I knew how to become a good engineer and how to be a good engineer, okay. but I didn't really know how social interactions were. So I had uh, like these accomplishments, but I just didn't know how to share it with the right people. Okay. So in that realm, I did feel as though I was failing in, in certain aspects. Okay. I couldn't put my finger on
0: it. Gotcha. And then I know in the Indian culture and we're both from the Asian culture A lot of times we have to please other people, Mm -hmm. especially our parents. Did you have to overcome that?
1: Yeah. So my brother, he was this amazing test. taker. (laughs) I kid you not. Like before the SAT, he's just chilling. He's watching TV. My mom's like, boy, you have the SAT. Go study. And he ends up scoring like like 13, 1400, something Mm -hmm. like that. But me, I mean, I'm over here studying for months and months. I think I studied for the SAT a year in advance. The day of the test, I just started freezing. Everything that I had studied for for the year just went out the window and I ended up bombing the SAT. So personally for me, I was never like that amazing test taker.
0: Did did your parents ever yell at you for doing poorly?
1: Yes. I mean, they, they were, they were upset. Let's put it like that. Like, at first, it was yelling in certain cases, like, oh, well, you didn't study hard enough.
0: But more so, it was
1: disappointment. Okay. Because you know how it is. People, like our parents, they came from a different country here, mainly for the education. Mm-hmm. So if the kid isn't doing well in education, you feel like you're letting them down. Gotcha. But then there's another problem where the kid, they're not really leveling up their education because they're not being interested in what they're mm-hmm. being taught. Or did it sound good testing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, and let's see. we talked about your social anxiety, your lack of confidence your you felt inferior to. you talked a little bit about the back of the bus, but were there other stories where you felt inferior to someone else?
1: Well, yes, another one this is a little different, but it wasn't even with social interactions it was with sports mm-hmm. where I realized that I wasn't the best socially. So I decided that, you know, I wanted to get really good in something that I felt as though I could really control because I can't control people, but I could control my skills. And that's when I started to focus on basketball and I would just spend a lot of my free time playing basketball nonstop. And I remember like as hard as I would practice, I would always see other people that were better than me. And I didn't know if they were practicing hard enough. And in some cases like that, I felt a little inferior. I was like, dang, so I'm working my butt off and it's still not enough. So yeah. what is enough?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we both have similar stories where we came from a different background. English wasn't our first language. We got picked on by our accents. We were not confident. We were afraid of what other people would think of us. We were trying to please our family, Tried mm-hmm. to please our friends. We wouldn't speak up. How did you overcome that?
1: That's a great question. What
0: was that? Was there like, was joining the fraternity helped or was there like a particular moment where you said, I'm going to decide that I'm no longer going to feel inferior?
1: It was a decision. It was definitely a decision. And the fraternity played a big role in it because once I joined the fraternity, I noticed that I was being exposed to more social events than ever before. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Like, I thought I was just going to go to (laughs) the fraternity and that was it. But no, I mean, that's when the real work began. So that was number one where that made me aware. Now, the second part where I had to make the decision was when I realized that in order for me to rise in the fraternity, I had to speak up. There was no way around that. And around that time, I think you were joining Toastmasters. And Mm -hmm. I remember I kept hearing about the club. And that's when I started to express interest in it. I was like, hmm. This may seem very bold, but what if I could become a public speaker? Yeah. If I can speak in front of 50 people, then me having a one-on-one interaction is light work. It's cake.
0: I, I still remember his first speech where he, I brought him to Toastmasters. I was the president of Toastmasters back then, and he gave a speech. And one of my mentors came up to me afterwards. He said, your friend Armand's going to need some." Or he kept on saying ums, uhs, and,
1: and look how far you've come. Yes, thank you, thank you. But that moment that moment was very unique because I think that, yeah, that was actually the second time ever that I went to Toastmasters. The first time I, I don't bring up too much, but nowadays I, I rock it. Mm-hmm. But that's when I got called on stage and I didn't say a single word. So that time when I said um, uh, like so many times, It was bad, don't get me wrong, but now at least I saw, whoa, I can actually speak in front of the audience. And then the next time I was like, all right, now it's time to get rid of the um, like uh. So Then I was able to cut down on that. Then it was about giving from a table topics to a planned speech, then more, then more, then more. So to answer your question, it was definitely about turning your biggest pain into your greatest strength.
0: And for those who don't know what Toastmasters is, it's a public speaking organization. They have like a structure of speech where there are three planned speeches. Then you have around four to seven improv, they call it table topics, where improv table topics is an improv speech where they ask you a question and you have to speak about it on the spot. And then later on towards the end of the meeting, they have evaluations where there's someone who, critiques your speech to make you better mm-hmm. now you talked about college and post-college let's go back to high school let's take a few steps back to high school when you're about 16 17 years old was there a moment where you started becoming more confident you started speaking up I, I knew you started working out you're a little bit more muscular mm-hmm. what was that moment
1: so basically in high school what happened was and this is going to sound very very weird but Up until eleventh grade, I was only five foot three. What? Yeah, I was only five foot three, and that's
0: really really quick. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then when I hit when I hit it, I went from five foot three to like six foot six foot one. So my entire life, I had like very very low self esteem because of being short. And now I'm magically this tall kid, right? Yeah. And I became even skinnier. So I was like, all right, if I could become tall, I mean, I could become muscular too, right? I can gain some weight. So I started to do that. And once I became six foot, I started working out. What
0: age did you become six foot?
1: I became six foot when I was 16, mm-hmm. about to head into like 17. Like, so it was pretty late 16-ish. Okay. So so the first half of 16. Close to senior year. Close to senior year because I'm one year younger than I'm, like mm-hmm. my grade. So yes. So by the time I was entering senior year, uh, I looked like a brand new person. But even during that time, I mean, a part of me, like, I, I had this new physique, but I didn't really understand how, what confidence meant. So I, I didn't really know if I was confident quite back then. I was starting to do more research into confidence around college, but high school, I was still like figuring it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like the figuring and then it out. You started working like, out. I started working out, started uh, started to, and now it was funny because girls liked me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, wait, wait, you guys like me, huh? And I didn't even know what to do. So it, it was definitely a brand new life over that one summer.
0: Just right before senior year happened, you just became a new uh, new person.
1: Yes. Physically, I had completely shifted. I Like, you wouldn't even
0: recognize me. And did you have a group of friends that you always hung out with? Did you start becoming that cool kid?
1: Well, so a lot of people expected me to become that cool kid. Uh-huh. But mentally, I was still that guy that was... I was like, uh, how do social interactions work? How do you talk to a girl? How do you yeah. do this? How do you do that? So, did you have a girlfriend back then? Back then, I had one girlfriend. Yes. Uh,
0: it was sixteen 17. It was sixteen. Okay. I don't know why
1: I said one girlfriend. Yeah. I had a girlfriend. <laughs> I, yeah. So I was sixteen, and I was still figuring it out. I'm like, so how does this whole boyfriend thing work? And I'm treating her like kind of like one of the boys, and then I start seeing like the different dynamics between a male and a female. So it was really a learning curve.
0: All know? at 16, a lot, a lot of people go, go through that curve in middle school. In middle school, right? And
1: it was funny because, I, you know, to, to this day, every now and then, I was like, huh, I learned a lot of the stuff really late. But in many ways, it's great because nowadays I can learn from those moments and share these insights for certain people that are listening to this, going through the same exact Who thing. Who probably
0: has never had a girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah, I didn't have my first girlfriend till summer before college. For the summer. Oh, so you were even later than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? And then I go to college. Whoa, whoa girls like me. I'm yeah, cute. Little, what? Yeah, yeah. You look like Drake. So <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So you went from skinny kid in class to now becoming tall, uh, muscular. You started um, increasing your confidence. Tell us a little bit about the people pleaser. When did that kind of stop?
1: So the people pleaser stopped once. I made one huge mental shift Mm -hmm. and that was that was instead of trying to compete with all these other people, instead of being this visionless person, I decided to focus more on myself. Mm -hmm. So instead of going external, I was now going internal. And now I was focusing more on having a goal Mm -hmm. Okay, just one goal. And once I shifted my mentality towards this goal, now pleasing other people became like laughable. Mm-hmm. It's like, all I try to please other people? Like I gotta focus on this goal. Yeah. And once I start to do that, that's when the paradigm shift really started to happen.
0: Yeah. What type of people or what type of things would you be concerned about of what other people think of you? Just about like
1: everyday topics like, oh my God, like am I am I saying the funny thing? Like, wait, why didn't that didn't that person laugh? And then other other times it would be like, um, I wonder what they think of me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, what, are they judging me? Like after I said this, they gave me that weird face. So I really, really cared about other people's judgments. Of
0: Gotcha. Them. And what about like grades and stuff? Did you care what your family thought about your grades?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was always a little tough for me because mm-hmm. I, like I said, test taking, that kind of stuff was tough. So it was, it was even tougher that my cousin's are all like geniuses. <laughs> I kid you not, like, they get like 2,200s, 2,300s. Some get perfect scores on the SATs. What? Yeah, so it makes me look even 10 times dumber. And I'm just like, dang, man, I wonder what my cousins think of me. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a lot of it was due to other people's perceptions.
0: So you, so you say once you, you start achieving that one goal, pursuing that one goal, you stop caring about the external world.
1: Yes. So there's this concept. What,
0: what was that one one goal?
1: So personally, for me, during that time, it was becoming the best public speaker that okay. I could. So the goal was...
0: About a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah. So the goal was, okay, Armand, first, and here's the funny thing. Like, once you get one goal going, you start getting, like, this avalanche of goals. Mm-hmm. So the first goal was to get on stage and speak. I said nothing. The second goal was to get up on stage and speak. I said a bunch of words, but... Uh, but now I said, um, a lot like mm-hmm. you mentioned. The third goal was to speak without saying so many filler words. The, the fourth goal was to go from table topics to planned speech. But it's this avalanche of goals regarding public speaking, mm-hmm. regarding the umbrella. And once you keep going from the goal to goal, eventually I'm giving presentations. And then the next goal is to volunteer for leadership positions and grow, mm-hmm. start your own club. And it's just basically once you go into self-development for your own life, you're going to get an avalanche of these different goals. Mm -hmm. And now the more you keep investing yourself in that avalanche, other people's opinions become like this waste of time. Like who cares if they think this about me? That's not impacting me towards getting on stage and speech, for example.
0: Yeah. When, when you, um, when you're in college, and let's go back to social anxiety. When you're in college, did you ever feel anxious around people, even after you joined the fraternity? After I even was... after when people said, wow, Armand's pretty social. Did you feel it this time? Or was there still something inside saying, hey, I still feel anxious around large groups of people? So,
1: so there's a very unique answer to this. I did feel it. I physically felt it. But my perception toward it was mm-hmm. different. So instead of calling it social anxiety now, I call this social excitement because any interaction, like even now, as we're talking, there's tension, you know, because humans are creatures of energy. Any interaction, there is going to be tension. Now, the the thing is, what are you going to perceive it as? Before getting on stage to speak in front of 500 people, you feel a level of tension. These are the same feelings that you feel right before a roller coaster. Absolutely. But for one of them, you view it as speech anxiety. The other, you view it as excitement. So for me, I definitely did feel that level of feelings, like body feelings. But now I would consciously fo- focus on this is a good thing. Like, imagine if I didn't feel anything mm-hmm. at all. I would be talking like this.
0: <laughs> it makes us human. It makes us want to achieve. It makes us want to go further and then explore new things, correct?
1: Yes. And when you demonize the feelings, you get social anxiety mm-hmm. and you start suppressing. Yeah. When you welcome it with open arms, you express the energy mm-hmm. and you get charisma.
0: Gotcha. Do you have any tips for anyone that is not confident, that possibly came from a different country, has an accent, doesn't want to speak, doesn't want to approach people, doesn't want to make friends. What are your tips?
1: So my biggest tip is to create value for yourself. And what I mean by this is what Shlomo's doing for like this entire platform is amazing because I got into the whole personal development crime later on in life. But if you can get into it earlier, your progress doesn't go like this. It's not linear. It goes like yeah. yeah. So once you start developing yourself. Confidence is going to be a byproduct. So just pick that one thing. What are you really curious about? And many times, your answer will be behind your pains. Like I had speech anxiety, and guess what? That was that one thing that I needed to make my goal about. Instead of trying to overcome it in one day, just do it piece by piece by piece. And the more challenges that you're overcoming, the more confident that you're going to become. And the more confident that you become, now it's much easier to go up to different people, start interactions with them because you don't feel like you're taking something from them. you rather feel like you're giving something to to them. Okay. You see, it's like, imagine, imagine if I'm like, yo, Shlomo, you and I, we're going to go down the street right now and I want you to ask different people for $100. You're going to be like, "Uh, $100? This is weird, Armand. Excuse me, sir, do do you mind if I get $100? No? Okay, okay. And this is how you're going to act. Mm -hmm. But imagine if I give you... $10,000. $10,000. I'm and like, give people $100. Now you're going to be like, excuse me, sir, here's $100. Here's another one an hundred.
0: Interesting point of view.
1: Yes. So what I want your viewers to understand is create those $100 bills from within just piece by piece. The more goals that you stack up, the more valuable that you become. And eventually you're just going to be giving other people $100 bills every time you interact with
0: them. I know. I know. When I was in high school, and I was starting a certain grade, I would in the beginning of the year I would always sit by myself mm-hmm. uh, because you know, in the beginning of ninth, tenth grade, beginning of sixth grade, didn't have many friends, didn't really want to approach people and say, "Hey, can I sit with you?" I didn't have it in me. What would you tell those people?
1: So for those people, I I want them to know that everyone, to a certain degree feels nervous you know so number one is if you do feel nervous don't be like oh well why do i feel like this why do i feel like that go away because now you're making it worse but instead just be like okay i'm I'm feeling a certain way why is this once you make sense of it now the nerves will melt and once you do it just take it one interaction at a time that i've always been a big promoter of that just one interaction at a time and you'll start developing your social muscle And eventually it's going to become easier and easier and easier. I was really similar to you. I used to sit on the bus by myself. I used to sit in the class by myself. I didn't feel comfortable sitting with these people because what would they say about me?
0: But Would you find one person to sit with? Or would you find a group of people who look more receptive and try to join that table?
1: I recommend trying both, but personally for me growing up, I would find that one person because I didn't want to approach a group. <laughs> if I can't approach one person, a group seems very daunting. But I recommend to your listeners, just take it one person at a time. And then eventually you can take, you can see a group of two, you'll feel much more comfortable. Gotcha. Yep. Try not to overwhelm yourself from the very beginning, but it, it's a process.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And what about people who... Come from an Asian household where they have it engraved in their head that they have to please their family, they have to please their friends, they have to um, have the highest grade in the class. If not, then people won't accept them. What would you recommend for them? One thing that I
1: recommend for them is to just gain some perspective from books. It was really funny, but one thing that really kept me motivated was uh, I forgot which guy it was. I don't know if it was Abraham Lincoln or someone, but Throughout his entire life, he was just like failing, failing, failing. But in many cases, like personally for me, not being a good test taker has been one of the best things in terms of being good in business. Why? Is because you, you have to fail when you get into the real world. This whole condition about, oh, you're not failing at all.
0: Having a structural, like right and wrong answer.
1: Absolutely. So what I recommend for your listeners is, Instead of focusing so much on that grade in order to get acceptance, focus more on exercising your work ethic, okay? Yeah. I mean, personally, like, if I were to give my younger self advice, like, Armand, stop chasing the A so much. Just work as hard as you can. Design a structured plan. Keep following it day in and day out. These are all tips that are skill sets that apply to your real world, right? Keep doing that day in and day out. And the good grade will be a
0: byproduct would you say pivoting is uh, extremely important if something doesn't work out when you're trying to get a good grade uh pivot fast
1: yeah pivot pa- fast i mean see what didn't work out mm-hmm. i mean one of the biggest things is to be able to learn from your mistakes so over time you see what isn't working and keep on recalibrating from there mm-hmm. but ultimately don't don't let other people's perceptions dictate your behavior yeah
0: and one last thing I would say is, if you if you're awkward, I know I used to feel awkward. I still sometimes mm-hmm. feel awkward <laughs> at yes. times. We all do. But uh, especially in social interactions, you are with a group of people, and uh, sometimes you don't know what to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you overcome that? So if you don't know what to say, I mean,
1: here's here's my <laughs> advice. Like if you don't know what to say, then either do a micro acknowledgement or just say whatever. Now, what do these mean? So imagine if you and I are having a conversation and you get done talking, I don't know what to say. I could just do. And now this indicates to your subconscious mind, like, Hey, I want you to keep on talking Mm -hmm. and you'll be surprised how often you get more information out of that other person because that other person did want to keep on talking. So that's a micro acknowledgement. And two is that you're just practicing whatever. When you think too much, you're doing thought, 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 maybe say something. But if you just go thought, (laughs) say, thought, say, thought, say. That's so true. Eventually, you start exercising your mind. And the third thing is sign up for Toastmasters. Do some table topics and you exercise your social muscle like none other.
0: Yeah, I know. I know the more you think about it the more awkward you're going to feel.
1: Yeah, because the social interaction is supposed to require you to be present
0: mm-hmm.
1: and be in the moment. But when you're in your head too much, now you're doing the exact opposite of that.
0: Gotcha. Do you have any last tips for any teenage kids who feel awkward, who are not confident, who possibly care about what other people think, who having social anxiety? Do you have any last tips?
1: One of the last tips that I have is that It depends how you view it, okay? Everything always comes to a matter of framing. And if you think that social skills can never be improved, then it will never be improved, unfortunately. But if you view everything as a muscle that simply needs to be worked out, a skill set, then it will be improved. So from the very get-go, I want you to start focusing on your mindset. Like, it will be improved. It will be improved. Fight through the discomfort. And keep on pushing forward, forward, forward. And the more goals that you tackle, the more that you're going to build your confidence. And here's the thing. You never just become confident. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm confident. You know, time to mail it in. You think LeBron James is ever like, oh, well, I figured out basketball. Never never going to practice again. No. You always become more and more confident. So my main thing is, stop focusing on everyone else. Compete. But with your prior day self. Make today better than yesterday, and tomorrow better than today, and you are going to be confident in due time.
0: That's so powerful, Thank so you. powerful, and Armand is a perfect example for someone who came from a different country, um, was skinny, didn't know any English, was awkward, and now he's teaching other people on Different social dynamics and how to communicate and how to speak in front of a large group of people. He's a role model to many people. Thank you, Arman. Thank you. I
1: appreciate you for having me.
0: Arman, where can these teenage kids find you? They can find me
1: on Armanitalks.com where I drop blogs, podcasts, videos, tweets on communication skills. So if you are trying to improve your communication skills and you don't know where to get started, I drop a lot of content regarding this topic.
0: Thank you. And for those who are tuning in from my YouTube channel, don't forget to subscribe to Purpose Creates Impact. If you're listening on my podcast, subscribe to my podcast channel, The Teenage Impact. Also, don't forget to rate it. Let me know what you think because the more people who rate it, the higher it will be on the podcast um, apps And the more teenagers' lives I can impact. Peace. Peace.